Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the July 18th edition. Three things for today on separating out my lifting from my coaching. In the early stages of my career, I didn't do this. I didn't realize that what I squat or how much I squat has very little to do with how well I can guide somebody on their journey. The second one, three quotes as always. And the final one, what I learned from hiring an expert to do my taxes, why it took me that long and maybe what me and you can learn from that. Okay. So let's get on with it. The first one's called on separating the coach from the training. I love to lift, okay? It's the process of lifting weights, it's the mastery, it's learning the skills, it's setting new PRs. It's everything. And more than that, what really ties it all together is the personal growth that I found, the confidence, the transformation, not just physical or mental, but just, I know it sounds vague, but yeah, there was, there was a rebirth of sorts, right? And also this conquest of something that I thought I was saddled with for the rest of my life being unfit. That changed me because I felt empowered by it. And while the fact that I, I did it by myself made some difference, I actually realized today it doesn't. It wouldn't have mattered if somebody else told me exactly what to do every step of the way or if I had to, you know, meander and plod and figure things out, uh, trying to make sense of the advice I was given. Inevitably, the empowerment would have still been there because there's only one person who can affect that change and that is me in my life and you in your life. Along this way, something even bigger personally happened. I realized I wanted to spread this joy, this feeling of empowerment. And thankfully, I realized I was rather good at it as well. Or so I tell myself. While Every student is unique and our own personal circumstances are different, which means the changes that happen inside us are quite different. But you know what? There are a lot of similarities. The ones who can observe their metamorphosis and enjoy it get a lot more out of it. 
So as a coach, as a guide, I want to be part of that. Not only do I want to coach you how to squat and how to do a kettlebell swing and how to do it really well, I also want to be a part of your transformation, even if I'm just observing. In the early stages of my coaching career, what I did not do though was separate out the trainee part of me from the coach part of me. Now, to be clear, I'm definitely not talking about being an armchair coach or an armchair trainee or whatever. But whether I squat, you know, two 32 kilo bells or two 40 kilo bells is not really relevant to my coaching skills. And as I realized, my failures in my training improved me as a coach more than my successes. Because every successful milestone I had as a trainee, I didn't really applaud or appreciate myself too much. You know, it was always, well, of course, you better do this because, you know, hundreds of people pay you to do this for them, so you better be able to do it for yourself. And a mix of, well, yeah, that's what, you know, Powell said or Dan John said, and all you had to do was do it. What else do you expect except the result, which is expected? Eventually, I learned that I needed to separate the two. I cannot define myself as a coach based on how much I lift. Of course, say learning to deadlift two and a half times my body weight, if I can currently deadlift twice my body weight, is a huge, challenging learning journey. There will be ups and downs. There will be a lot of failures. You know, life will get in the way. Oh, I have to run a business in the pandemic. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm not feeling so good. I can't lift so much. Well, guess what? These are all the things that all my students go through as well. So there will be tons and tons and tons of insights. And as I've told you before, training is my sandbox for life. I learn quite a bit from it. And the cool thing is, while success is nice, it's not that relevant. The actual numbers also, that is, does the 2.5x deadlift really matter? But to me, am I lifting with the right attitude and approach? Am I practicing what I preach? Am I a good student? Am I learning? Am I doing what my coaches are telling me? Those are so much more important than the actual numbers that I'm actually trying to lift. Of course, again, standards are useful. Standards are important to set a low bar or a minimum. I cannot you know, go around pressing eight kilos and call myself, oh, I can help you, you know, get stronger, or I cannot run, I don't know, a 5K in 90 minutes, or walk a 5K and say, I'll help you run better, okay? So let's be clear about that. 
But at the same time, just because I can pass, say, the strong first level one or level two cert does not automatically make me a good coach. Now, what these standards, what these credentials do is, well, it separates the wheat from the chaff. It helps to ensure that I practice what I preach, which is I know to follow some rules. I can lift weights. I can produce some results at least for myself. I'm not just faffing around telling you what to do when I don't keep my own house in order. So we'll assume that part is necessary. Well, not assume. That part is necessary, and we'll assume that it is a given. I'm talking beyond that. Beyond that, I needed to learn to separate my lifting persona from my coaching persona. And as soon as I did that, both aspects improved. So even though I continue to learn a lot from my training, and a lot of it feeds into my coaching, and I am trying to be a better lifter, trying to be on the path of mastery in that, I've also realized it's one aspect of what makes me a good coach. Lifting etiquette and being a good student is who I am. How much I lift is about effort and the time I have and life events and the bandwidth and all that. Coaching and making meaning and guiding people on their journey though is unrelated to my lifting numbers. So with all that, there's one conclusion that I tell myself that there's at least one good thing about getting old. You start to learn some pretty obvious things. So that's the first piece. Let's move on to three quotes. The first one is by Jordan B. Peterson. No one likes to be pushed around, but people often put up with it for too long. So I get them to see their resentment first as anger, and then as an indication that something needs to be said if not done, not least because honesty demands it. Then I get them to see such action as part of the force that holds tyranny at bay, at the social level, as much as the individual. End quote. I definitely empathize with what he's trying to say. I mean, we all put up with so much shit around us that we truly don't need to. We shouldn't be. But you know what? Somebody does this and it's just simpler to deal with it and, you know, not make it worse or, or maybe we think it's a waste of our time or, you know what, I put up with it for this minute. I don't have to put up with it for a week or a month or whatever. But I love how he puts it, you know, because... Honesty demands it. So if honesty is a core value of ours, then it is our responsibility to stand up 
and say things as they are. Not just in places where it is convenient to take the moral high horse, but in the inconvenient and scary places. All right, second quote, a bit more obtuse, and if you interpret it better than me, please stick to your interpretation. This one is by Heraclitus. Those unmindful, when they hear, for all they make of their intelligence, may be regarded as the walking dead, end quote. I don't know how often I'm not being mindful. I don't know how often I'm not listening properly. I mean, there are so many instances when I replay a much older conversation, it was pretty clear what I was being told. It was pretty clear what I should have done. And, well, arrogance or stupidity or naivety or whatever, you know, prevented me. And even today it is hard because it's just so easy to be caught up in doing things and just rushing headlong from one to the other. But whenever possible, and I think this is what being mindful or well, your life is all about, walking into a conversation with an open mind, or better yet, an expectation to learn something. I keep trying to repeat this to myself, but the thing is, I also realize I have too many things to repeat to myself and I just forget. But hey, as I tell my students, one rep at a time, it gets better, I think. The final piece, Maybe I've mentioned a different portion of this quote before. It comes from the Vietnamese Vietnamese monk, Thich Nhat Hanh. When you put a piece of bread into your mouth, chew only your bread and not your projects, worries, fears, or anger. End quote. We all think we are masters of you know, multitasking. Growing up, we used to read at our family our, uh, dinner table. And today, most of us, I guess, watch TV or, well, or do something. And even in my five-minute commute to coaching class in the morning, I realize that, you know, I'm always planning the day ahead or you know what I'm going to do after class or the actual training session. Oh, here's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Churning some thought in my head. Now, of course, I need to be planned. Of course, I need to know what I'm going to coach. But does it have to be those five minutes? Or could I just have done them earlier? Of course, I did them earlier. Then why am I cramming it again because I'm so used to having some thought in my head instead of just walking because how, how can you just walk? And of course, this permeates into eating, right? Like how can you just eat? 
apparently you can and apparently it's a good thing so one thing I am trying to do it's impossible to keep thoughts at bay so one thing I am trying to do is at least not have a programmed distraction if I am going on a walk at least once a week I try to leave my phone behind it's not that I'm checking things on my phone but we all have a different distraction for you it might be you know doom scrolling for me it's listening to a podcast let's not even think about oh but that's productive nah that's not the point the point is can you just be mindful of what you are doing instead of trying to cram two, three, four, five things into your life and think that's you being productive. Maybe. And that's that. So, the final piece for today. Solving it yourself versus using an expert. When I uh, moved to the U.S., one thing that, uh, so many things, right, culturally different, but one thing that stood out was, was like going to Home Depot. So I remember um, we went to, me, me and my buddies, me and my roommates went to Home Depot to you know, get a, a barbecue station for ourselves. And, oh my Lord, that, that place is something unique. I mean, there's, everything you need to even build a house. So there were people, you know, buying tons of plywood and they would, you know, make their own porch or make their own deck or repair it and paint their walls, paint their rooms, paint their houses. To me, coming from India, this was a, whoa, okay, interesting. And you know, at a, at a, at a simpler scale, you know, Ikea, while obviously not American, you put your own furniture together. Yeah, in India, you get other people to do this stuff, right? And so the first time I had to file taxes, well, there were people who would do it for you or there were some amazing, very, very user-friendly pieces of software out there. So that fit the bill because, well, going to a tax consultant was five times more expensive, uh, about $200 instead of $40 for this software. More importantly, I didn't have to go meet anybody. I could just do it while, you know, in my boxes, sitting on my couch. And even though I had very little idea of what was going on, the software took care of it. It asked me for stuff. It told me I was done, and it was a win-win. Because somewhere in my subconscious, I knew if I went to a tax consultant, I might have to answer questions that I didn't want to answer. Like, how much are you saving? What are you doing about your finances? Are you planning it? And about questions I didn't know existed. Well, I kind of knew they existed, but I wanted to hide in my ignorance. And then uh, I had to do my taxes with a, with a little bit more detail. I 
procrastinate it. Um, so I was married and now I had to file with a dependent and all that and oh, it just got complex and so I just kept pushing it away, pushing it away, pushing it away. And it was due in a day or two and I was hanging out with um, my wife's family and I was told, you know what, there are people who do this, right? And people who specialize in Indians living in the U.S. So why don't you just go? I was like, fine, yeah, last minute, blah, blah, blah. I had done a draft on TurboTax, but this time I was pretty uncomfortable with it because I felt I was missing something. I didn't know what, but I just felt I was. So I Googled and found somebody pretty close because uh, I'm not a fan of driving and fixed up an appointment and went over there. It was a crazy coincidence, but my soon-to-be tax expert went to my high school in Madras. They were a couple of years senior to me, and uh, yeah, small world, eh? So there was the lucky bit of, oh, okay, you know, I know this person, even though I, I hadn't really spoken with them or much in school, you know, they went to my high school. They're from my hometown. So there's this add a bit of trust that comes because you're finding yourself, you know, five, six, ten years later, halfway across the other side of the world, and here's somebody you know. And they took about 30 minutes to do my taxes, <laughs> and uh, my tax refund was about $4,000 more than what my uh, software was going to give me when I filed it. Yeah, eye-opening, to say the least. And, well, it cost me exactly $160 more to save $4,000. Now, part of this reluctance in addition to hiding behind questions I didn't want to answer, was I had also figured out my own health and fitness. So I was like, you know what? If I can do this here, I can do it everywhere, which is stupid. I loved figuring out my health and fitness. I was obsessed with it. I was a geek about it. I also was talking to experts all the time about it. Like my coaches at CrossFit, ah, hell, Adrian, Kelly, Carl. Oh my Lord, the amount of questions I asked those guys and subsequently continuing my conversations with Raj. Yeah, I was constantly trying to learn and, and I was constantly surrounded by experts. So it was not accurate to think I was doing it alone. And then now we have taxes, which are, well, as much fun as pulling my own teeth. So I was just trying to be done with them, right? As long as I'm not going to be pulled up for it, I'm good. And that's a stupid mistake, right? I could have saved thousands of dollars for the two years I did my own taxes. 
sometimes you know you want to go to an expert to just get a set of instructions they tell you to do this and off you go and do that and in many cases that's not enough because do this is not enough but the part is whether you contextualize it and you figure it out for yourself which always you have to do you are the one doing all the doing okay navigating the hard questions the logistics the hardships the ups and downs you are the driver the expert can only help you they can guide you they can tell you to shut up when you need to be told to shut up and they have the experience of working with hundreds and hundreds of people so let's move away from taxes into my area of expertise right fitness and nutrition of course you can figure things out by yourself okay you have to you cannot copy other people's wisdom but that doesn't mean you don't need to use an expert there's a reason experts exist there's a reason i do this for a living while making money is a, is a is a good side effect this is not a plug for me to try to get you to uh pay me money in all probability y- you're already you know training with me at the quad so i'm not trying to sell to you you know that it's just great to have somebody else who can see things objectively and who has seen well a way out or rather hundreds of way out of this current situation because it is so easy to put effort and good effort into doing the wrong things so we always need to have clarity we need to have checks and bounds because we need to know if we're going in the right direction and a good coach should be able to do that for you a good coach knows when to tell you do this and when to give you the space to figure things out and guide you and to clarify to you that you are headed in the right direction you will save a lot of time you will save a lot of money and well i think a whole lot of good things happen so if you are not or if you know somebody who is not hiring an expert for at least taking care of fitness and nutrition think why i was hiding from a tax consultant because i didn't want to confront questions i needed to confront about our going you know growing older and making money and figuring out i need to take care of all that I didn't want to confront my own ignorance. I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone. So the reason if somebody is reluctant or if you are you know in some way reluctant to use your coach more or listen to your coach more or use your coach and then stop using them and say I'll figure it out myself. I know how to squat, I know how to swing. That's just one layer and this reason is not financial right you are privileged enough to listen to this 
you can afford a book that costs 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. You don't need to pay thousands of rupees that you know, an expert costs. And then you figure it out. The do this is there and you contextualize it. So, what's the point of this meandering thing? I don't know if there's any point, okay? I mean, hopefully my anecdote was pretty obvious. What I do know is it's easy to put effort in and not see results. And you blame yourself or you blame the larger thing itself, this I am not good at this fitness thing. No, it could just be you did the wrong thing or the supposed expert was wrong. And they might even be good, okay? You need to find somebody who's on your wavelength, who knows what you want. You need to have a good chemistry with them. And that expert, even as you become good, even as you become really good at it, like think about it, an elite athlete has a coach. Right? So at any level you are, if this is something that is important to you, hire an expert. All right. And that's that. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you here next week. Bye-bye. This is Coach AA signing off.